raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, we'll start our ESPN.com representation with Stephen Holder regarding the Colts and more. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Doing well. How was everything? Ah, fantastic. So I'm just watching the uh, odds makers in Vegas go up and down, going to stick some more cash in their couch cushions where all this goes to how we thought it was going to go right. But I would guess to say in the last 48 hours, the up and down nature of Will Levis has been a bit fascinating to watch. It has. Well, I give you that. It's fascinating to watch. Now, Ask me what the hell it means, and I cannot tell you one thing (laughs) because I don't know what it means, but it is definitely fascinating, and I would love to know the the inner workings of this and, and what they are truly based on. I guess this is where we are, right? I mean, everybody. So one one rumor, currency, like right? one sports kind of anonymous sports book rumor. Uh, his friends and family. He's telling he's going to Carolina number one. That's what causes all this upheaval, according to odds. That's weird. I mean, I hope it's something more than that, don't you? You know. Yeah, like, because I was thinking about going ahead and fabricating my own story right here. See yeah, if I can I mean, move I think it. Me and you could, me and yeah. you could have a conversation. I think we can make some money. Why not? You know? I can listen. I can make something up just as good as anybody. <laughs> listen, I'm a writer by trade, man. Okay? I got a bit of imagination. <laughs> well, I'm not that good. There's no doubt about that. No writing going on here. Barely reading going on here. Certainly a lot <laughs> of talking. We'll, we'll talk. We'll put our heads together. Okay. Yeah. So that's that part is um is really weird. Here's the thing that I've noticed more so than anything else, and it's this has been this is how you have to be. But as locked up of a program with the Colts we have seen in a long time. And that goes to show you when they want to lock it up. And I do suggest that times, I bet you they leave the owner out of some of these even more private conversations. When they want to lock it up, they can lock it up tight. That is true. That is true. I, I think this is a, a very good example of, of how the Colts tend to operate. I'm not saying that news never leaks out, but, but you might notice that oftentimes when, when things happen with the Colts, now you might get the breaking news from, you know, some national insider. Here's what you don't get. You tend to not get any sense that it's happening until it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, sure. there's not typically a foreshadowing of it and say, hey, there's conversations about this or conversations about that. Those things don't tend to happen. In fact, if they do, it, it tends to be just we pick up on, on some of those signs ahead of time, we, local media, just because we're around and we may get some indications of it. And then when it happens, it, it gets reported. But, but generally, uh, it's not getting out because someone leaked it or, or they just you know heard through the grapevine. That tends to not happen. Now, you mentioned the owner. Now, uh, you know, a relevant point. I did talk to him last night. Well, tell me all about it then. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, okay, let me clarify. Mark, so, mark the tape here, James. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so let me just clarify. He called for a very specific reason. When he calls, especially late at night, you know there's a specific uh, reason. You didn't let it go to voicemail. Call. You should just let that go to voicemail. Sorry. <laughs> it would have been a long voicemail. <laughs> 
anyway, so he said uh, he, he wanted to talk about. Well, he, he was very he was very annoyed with with Ryan Leaf. I'm gonna start with that. Uh-huh. Okay, so Ryan Leaf has been making the rounds a little bit lately. Yes, it's the the 25th anniversary of the '98 draft. And yesterday on Dan Patrick, he said something, and, and this is on my Twitter feed. I got a story about it if you care, but if people want to just get the details. The point is, the, the short version is, in that interview with Dan Patrick, Ryan Leaf said, well, you know, it's my impression that Jamerse wanted me over Peyton, <laughs> to which Jamerse was not having it. He's like, no, 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 no. Let, let me set the record straight, which he did very clearly. Is, However, that, is that the only thing he wanted right there? Was that? Uh, he wanted to set that straight. Yeah, I guess he I, – I don't know why that was of such importance to him. I I have a theory. I think my theory, and this is not what he said. This is my theory. My theory is that, you know, th- that there have been some things that maybe Peyton has taken offense to over the years. And I think he's very hypersensitive toward anything that might be a slight toward Peyton Manning. That is my – I think that's theory. a strong theory you have there, sir. Very yeah. strong. So cause th- that's what would that's what kind of made it make sense in my head. You know what I'm saying? So because I was trying to figure it out, and and that is what I settled on <laughs> as my. Uh, we talked about that for a while. Um, you know that that whole that whole backstory is interesting, as you know, and you've covered it. You know, backwards and forwards. The Bill Polian version of the story is very different than other versions, but whatever. So of course. To continue to, to the more important topic, which you want to talk about, of course, I tried to get him talking about the draft. Like, hey, give me something. What you, what's going on? One thing I will say, look, he, he was buttoned up. I'll give him that. But the one thing I came away with, and I'm going to have a story that elaborates on some of this, I believe, posting before the, before the end of the evening tonight. Uh, he gave me the very distinct impression that conversations are ongoing over there and that now, they may have a preference. He didn't necessarily lead me on one way or the other. They may have a preference on the quarterback. By the way, it's a quarterback. It's one of the four quarterbacks, okay? 100%, 1,000% is one of the four quarterbacks. That I can tell you, I would bet my mortgage on it after the conversation. Not that we doubted it, but I'm just giving you the details. That's the first thing. The other thing is they, they the conversations continue, as I said. Uh, he said that they – Let's put it this way. I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but the impression I got was that they do not see a lot of separation between these guys. And I have felt that way throughout. And I, I feel stronger about saying that after speaking to him. He, he really feels like any of these guys could go number one, theoretically. You know, So I, I think that's true of their evaluation. And, and maybe that's why this has been so difficult you know, to, to really settle on who they want. And then the other reason it's been difficult is because the Colts don't have control of the board, right? They're, they don't know what's going to happen in front of them. So anyway, that's, that was the big takeaway from the conversation. Uh, sorry for the long, long, No, long. it's all right. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It, it, um, it, it's the interesting part to me and Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You can read his uh, story regarding a late night phone call from Colts owner Jim Irsay, where he actually got up out of bed and answered the phone. There's a job Literally. well done right there. <laughs> I, I can kind of understand where Chris Ballard's coming from suggesting that he and they don't know because it is not a good look if you do know and you just sit back and say, you know what, these guys are so close together and yeah, whatever, whatever the hell we get, we get here. 
So I, I kind of understand that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think, but I also think it makes it hard to, you know, to 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 be aggressive. Because, Again, I don't. I don't know if I believe it. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I believe yeah. it. But I wouldn't want. Wait, wait. I which would, part? That, I, well, no. I, just sit I, back and let it come to that. Yeah, I don't think I would want the fan base to know you're just sitting back and forward and taking whatever's given to you. Right. So that's that's fair. That's a fair theory. I think the other thing here is. You know, when you don't have a strong preference, it does maybe complicate the the idea of trading up and being aggressive because who are you being aggressive for, and what's the right what's the right cost to that move of being aggressive in terms of what you're willing to invest, especially if you don't see a big difference between player X and player Y. I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? You know, I, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't think they know how this is going to go. But, but I think that's, that's the issue there. And, look, for them, the best-case scenario, and this is not breaking news, but the best-case scenario is that a couple defensive players go and then before them, and then they can do whatever it is they want to do. Uh, but failing that, and, and number three is obviously the big wild card, failing that, uh, they are going to have to make a decision, and I guess we'll see. Well, look, here's the beauty of this. They have told us that, well, at least the, the indications are that they don't have a strong preference for one quarterback over the others. But if there's multiple guys on the board, we're going to know their answer. That's the beauty of this. We're going to get an answer ultimately on who they prefer because they're going to have to make a choice, most likely. It is Stephen Holder, ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I don't know, again, how in-depth you went with him. You said that he was still really guarded and protective of information, and that, that's a good thing overall. Bad thing for us, good thing overall, certainly for uh, I them. Was, I was as surprised as you were. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, and, and they're standing. But one thing that, that I was told, and this goes back as long as I've been, I've been saying Levis really going back to the fall, and I don't even know how it came about. It just kind of popped up to me. And I just kind of ran with it at the time, and nothing has really persuaded me to jump off of that. And we'll see what happens coming up on Thursday. I mean, things certainly could have changed. But there was one dynamic at work that oftentimes we just take as, yeah, whatever, because all we care about is the eyeball test, how they play, how they throw, how they move, how athletic they are, uh, escapability, mobility, all this stuff in terms of a quarterback. But I'm curious, have you heard as much as I have about how important a high, I mean a high level of leadership quality they get in this pick of this quarterback is to them? Yeah, I think that is something Shane Steichen has talked about, uh, both at the owners' meetings and in other conversations. That is something that's important to him for sure. And and I think the thing to know here is, look, let me tell you something. He's going to have a big voice in this. Okay, like bigger than people realize. That is also something Ursay and I talked about. Shane Steichen is going to have a huge, huge voice in this. I'm not saying he's making the final decision, but but they're going to listen to him, and they should listen to him because they're putting all this on him. Frankly, I mean the the success of this quarterback, they're putting that on Shane Steichen's shoulders. Basically, you know the success or failure of that quarterback, they're they're putting it in large part on his shoulders because they're saying, all right, we're going to let you build from the ground up. Go get your guy, and and we'll let you do your thing, and and that's a big responsibility. So I think when you do that, you have to let that 
coach uh, have a big say in the decision. And I think that's what they're going to do, uh, which is the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, to your point, yes, I do think the leadership quality, I mean, that was important to Frank Reich and that has not changed. It's, it's definitely important to Shane Steichen. I think, you know, go back to a couple of the quarterbacks he's had over the past few years. Uh, you can go all the way back to 2019. I mean, he was with Phillip Rivers and you don't get a higher level of leadership than that guy, right? So he's seen it in his first year as an offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, with, with Philip Rivers. Then you saw it with Justin Herbert, who, from all accounts, uh, has been a good leader uh, for the Chargers. And then, finally, Jalen Hurts, who really had to, had to operate under a really difficult circumstance uh, before Carson Wentz's departure, had to come in in a fractured locker room and hold that team together, which he was able to do. And then really assert himself as a leader in a major way the last two years and ultimately what he did in, in 2022 leading that team to the Super Bowl. I mean, that guy has is coming out of his pores, the leadership qualities, right? So, so I think that informs some of what Shane Steichen sees as uh, the kind of quarterback he'll want. So I, I don't, I'm not surprised that that's a big part of their checklist uh, because it's been a big part of the success of Shane Steichen's quarterbacks. All right, what you got in mind for Thursday? This is the last time you and I have a conversation before this happens, and then afterwards we'll, I'm sure, break it down. What's your call sitting here with me right now on this Tuesday with all ears (laughs) on you? Stephen Holder, you make the call. I mean, here's the hard part, and I'm not – breaking new ground here, but I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen in front of them. But I, I guess if the, if the question is like CJ Stroud, for example, all right, let, let's, let's give you, I'll give you a couple scenarios and then tell you what I do. Let's do it that way. So I'm sticking with Bryce number one overall, I guess, because that's what I've heard. And, and that's what I'm sticking to. I think that's what the Colts are expecting at this point. That that's what I've heard. So that's the first thing. Let's assume that happens. Now, if C.J. Stroud gets to number four, no idea, or even number three, whatever. If C.J. Stroud falls a little bit, personally, I'm going to get in that guy. I don't know. I I can't speak to the S2 test. I can't speak to whatever the concerns are about him because I don't know. I, I see what everybody else sees. I read what you read. But I also know this guy's ability and I know what he put on film it is spectacular and I just think the the floor for CJ Stroud is extremely high and he can give the Colts what they need they want to be an aggressive passing passing game and and throw the ball all over the place well you better have a guy who can who can put it on the money and put it on the numbers and that guy can so that's what I'd do if he's gone okay and we're talking about Levis and Richardson I'm just telling you what I would do I don't know what they're going to do, but I'll tell you what I'd do. I would go Richardson, and here is why. Maybe not – it's controversial take, and that's fine. Here is why. I think that they need such a dynamic player to compete in this conference. I mean, the, the Jets just got Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think they have a prayer at the Super Bowl, okay, unless they prove me wrong. Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not so sure they have any shot at the Super Bowl. They think they do. Maybe they do. But that's where we are in the AFC. So you better get a guy who's, whose ceiling is like another galaxy, 
And he's, he's the guy. He's the one who has that kind of ceiling. I get it's a boomer bust proposition. I get that. But I also think, I don't think his floor is nearly as low as people want to suggest or, or some suggest. I understand the concerns. I have them too. Um, but look, I'm telling you, I, I just think from a, it's not, it's not about his 40 times. It's not about his vertical jump. It ain't about any of that. It's about his ability to, to make the kinds of throws and make the kinds of dynamic plays that no one else in the draft can. So we'll see. That's my two cents. But, but look, Levis, Levis is going to be fine, I think. I think he has, at least has the potential to be a fine player. Like, he could be a really good player, in fact. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have anything negative to say about Will Levis at all. The uh, yeah, the, the the thing about Richardson is that um, I I get exactly what you're saying about what he oh, could be. For everybody. But he's man, yeah, everybody. yeah, well, yeah, well okay. and and listen, I, I was drawn into it about a month ago. You know, with that pro day, I go whoa, and I don't normally do that. Mm-hmm. I just um, I, I think that you're going. And listen, do do they have time on their hands? Yeah, more than I think your average Colts fan would think around here. Sure. Being Chris Ballard right now. I just don't happen to think he has that much time on his hands. That is a fair part of the conversation. It's an it's an important part of the conversation. There is no doubt because I mean we're seeing that with with Justin Fields right now, right? It's you know it's not infinite. Time is not infinite, and not that they're necessarily on a, a short string there, a short leash necessarily. But we you know we are seeing that that's been a process right it has been a process there's no doubt about that I, I think there's some similarities there uh between Richardson and, and Justin Fields um, but Richardson's I think his his pocket presence is is further along right now than maybe Fields was uh Fields and part of this is maybe because of the Bears being a mess and protection being bad. Uh, he, he just didn't seem very interested initially in staying in that pocket for very long. <laughs> and I get that he didn't trust his protection, but but that is an area where I think Richardson, I think you'll see a difference there. I mean, at least just watching him in the SEC. I mean, he, he was going up against some bad dudes coming off the edge, and, and he stood in there, and he, he was able to navigate that pocket and works the pocket as good as or better than anybody in this draft. So that's an underrated, uh, an underrated aspect of his game. So we'll see. I, I don't know, man. It's, there's no right or wrong answers because, at least not now, the, the right or wrong answers won't come for like three years. <laughs> a late-night phone call from the owner, Jim Ursay. A story coming out about that and your draft coverage at ESPN.com and our friend Stephen Holders on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. It is always a pleasure. We will check in after the draft, buddy. I can't wait, man. Partly because I'm, I'm ready for it to be over and partly because I'm, I'm dying to know. I'm right there with you. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> All right, brother. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Mandy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of Q&As... ESPN.com. He covers the Jaguars and the rest of the AFC South. He is Mike DiRocco. So what's the conversation in your world in covering the South and what's going to go on with the Jags and and the other teams? What's your thought about what the Colts may or may not do? And I know the Texans are up there as well at number two, but what are your thoughts about number four, what the Colts may or may not do at quarterback? 
Uh, I think everybody down here would prefer that they roll with Nick Foles uh, for the next ten years. I think that uh, the <laughs> don't Jack- give him any Jaguar good I- don't give him any ideas. All right, would would love that. Um, but uh, you know, I think down here they're expecting them to come out of the the, the draft with the with the quarterback, and and there'll be three new rookie quarterbacks in in the AFC South for the next or for the 2023 season anyway. Um, that's, that's the expectation down here. The, the feeling is, hey, look, they just can't keep rolling the dice on older veteran quarterbacks any longer. They've got to make – they've got to, you know, bite the bullet and, and grab a rookie and start the rebuild. Um, so I think that's kind of what everyone down here is expecting. Now, you know, whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whoever, that's, you know, completely up in the uh, up in the air now. I've seen that all of a sudden overnight Will Levis went uh, from like 50 to 1 to 5 to 1 as the number one overall pick. So I don't know what the heck's going on now. Yeah, and see, now, I mean, you cover a team in the Jags. I'm not suggesting they're just going to sit back and relax. But, I mean, compared to the past, that's going to be a different feeling for the fan base in Jacksonville, knowing what you know, having what you presently have, evolving still at quarterback, and then watching now the rest of the AFC South try to catch up. Yeah, it is completely and totally un usual around here to be in that position i've been covering the team since 2013 and you know after that big run in 2017 um it's not the you know people thought they were going to be a you know a team that could win or at least get to the super bowl in 2018 but there's a different feeling here than then mainly because they've got the quarterback i mean back then it was blake portals and it was an offense play action you know built around the run game leonard fournette it was you know, Blake be a game manager and don't mess anything up. And, you know, he did not play well in 18 and the injuries mounted and all health fell, you know, broke loose and, and the, the program fell apart. So it's just a different feeling down here. And, and there is a sense of being in the driver's seat from people down here in Jacksonville that, hey, look, you know, we've got Trevor Lawrence, we've got Doug Peterson, where our offense was 10th in the league in uh, 20. 22 and they've we've added calvin ridley so people around here are going we're good everything's great you know we just got to find a couple of things um on defense and and we'll be ready to roll there and i'm just like well i mean i yeah i'm but you know 2018 wasn't that long ago it can fall apart pretty quickly um but everybody around here is just uh you know expecting this to just continue to rise up here and you know they're they're the best team in the AFC South. I don't think there's any argument there. Um, it's a first-place schedule that they're going to be handling this year, so it might be a little bit tougher road for them. But when you have the quarterback, like, and, and the elite teams in the league have the quarterbacks, and then you've got the head coach, you've got the two most important pieces, and, and that's where they're sitting right now. Did uh, the, the first season with Doug Peterson as the head coach, did that even more reinforce how silly it looked to have Urban Meyer as the coach the year prior? <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess you could say it that way. It yeah. was it, – it, it, it's amazing. It took them over a month um, to end up with Doug Peterson. And when you look at it, it just seemed like you looked at all the other people that they interviewed. 
uh, for the job and Matt Eberflus and, and Kevin O'Connell and Brill, Bill O'Brien and Jim Caldwell. And I, you know, I know I'm missing a few names there as well, but Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. And I'm not really sure how that winning a Super Bowl is not the most important thing a coach can ever have done and why that all of a sudden didn't make it an automatic no-brainer for this franchise. But they took their time, and they eventually got the right guy in place and and the guy that was the complete and total polar opposite of Urban Meyer. And, you know, he said the first thing that these players needed to do was they needed to heal from 2021, and then he needed to gain their trust. And that was what their entire spring and off season was about, them healing and him gaining their trust. And I thought, you know, when we ended October and we were looking at this team and they were two and six and they had just come back from that awful um, loss in London to the Broncos, I thought, you know what, you know, maybe Doug Peterson's the right guy for the job, but it's going to take a little bit longer and maybe there's still some questions about Trevor Lawrence, but that November, December, January, Things turned around, and, and now they're sitting here going, we are in a fantastic shape, um, and we are the best team in the AFC South, and we got a chance to make a run in the AFC. So Urban Meyer's memory is so far in the rearview mirror around here, it's not even funny. Well, you know, again, you talk about the circus that was that most of that season. You know, we had a circus around here of our own this past season. I will say this, Mike, too, and and Rick Venturi and I have talked about this before. I brought this up. Had the Colts, and again, closed out Minnesota where they had that lead in the second half and embarrassed themselves in the second half or the fourth quarter against Dallas or the lead they had here against Washington or, you know, final game of the regular season against Houston. You win a couple of those games, and, and to me, Jeff Saturday's still here. To me, Jeff Saturday very well could still be here with a couple of those wins. That's kind of, I think it's such a difference in in winning and losing and how you see it. But honestly, you look back on it this past year with such a circus both on and off the field around here. One that I'm sure is a little bit comparable to that one you went through with Urban Meyer. Yeah, although Saturday wasn't kicking any kickers and uh, screaming. Uh, he was not doing that. Locker room. So, I mean, you know, but I understand absolutely what you're saying. And, and it's amazing how one or two games can kind of just flip the entire direction of your franchise. Look right. at the Jets in 2020. They beat the Rams and they beat, uh, I can't remember who the other team was they beat, but they beat the Rams and that gave the Jaguars the number one draft pick in 21. They end up with Trevor Lawrence. The Jets end up with Zach Wilson. And now look at how, how different things are now. What if it's Trevor Lawrence in, the, in New York and, and Zach Wilson here? And what a mess it is down here now. So it's, it's crazy. Two more wins. You're right with Jeff Saturday. Maybe, yep. maybe he's still the head coach. And I tell you what, the people down here in Jacksonville probably would have been okay with that. Yeah, very doable. And the games I talked about as well. And then, I mean, think about the dynamic where Houston won. The reason why, reportedly, Houston uh, is very apprehensive about selecting a quarterback at number two, and according to reports, won't, is because Lovey's gang came up here and won the final reg of the season weekend and put them to where they are right now. So it's amazing how all this stuff works out. Yeah, I don't buy they won't take a quarterback. I don't either. I don't either. I, 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 you know what I mean? I don't believe anything I hear or read um, once we get two, three weeks out from the draft. I mean, if a, 
if a GM's lips are moving publicly in a news conference, they're probably not giving a 100% truth there. I'm not saying they're lying, but this is smokescreen season. This is misdirection season. So I, if we get to the number three pick on Thursday night and the Texans haven't taken a quarterback, then I'll believe it. But until then, no way. I think they take C.J. Stroud and, and go from there. It is uh, Mike DeRocco of ESPN.com. Covers the Jaguars, covers the AFC South with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pile. And, of course, one of the four quarterbacks that have been mentioned the most around here. And, again, I'd, I'd been talking about how I believe for a long time it's going to be Levis. We've seen the Vegas odds with Levis rise, certainly be a roller coaster, if not the past three or four days. But – one guy in the mix here is Anthony Richardson. And, Mike, honestly, the last time I looked at a map, Gainesville's not that far from Jacksonville. I'm curious your thoughts on somebody you've probably seen and certainly heard about for his his career as the Gators quarterback and how that may or may not transition to the next level in your eyes. Yeah, no, I uh, I did watch him quite a bit last year. Um there's no denying that he's a physical specimen. He's got the athleticism, the height, the weight, the arm strength. Clearly he's gifted with the ability to throw the ball, but you know, they were limited offensively in what they were doing with Anthony Richardson. And and the question that you have is, is the accuracy, um, his inaccuracy problems an issue? I mean, in this day and age, if you're not completing 60% of your passes, even at the college level, that, that's a red flag to me. Now, can guys change? Absolutely, because Josh Allen's a guy who was a less than 60% passer at Wyoming, and he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it does happen. But I just, you know, the, the inaccuracy is a concern for me. One thing he said, um, you know, they had beaten Utah, and then the following week he played poorly. And then after that game, he said in the news conference, I lost some confidence in myself. Um, and, and that scares the hell out of me as a, as a talent eval- – if I'm a talent evaluator or a head coach, I don't want my quarterback ever saying publicly, I lost confidence in myself. That's, that's a massive red flag. If you're losing confidence at that stage, what's it going to be like when you come up to the NFL and struggle? And now your teammates are wondering, well, can he handle this? Is he going to be our leader? Is he a guy that we can count on? That, that you know, maybe he – didn't really mean it in the way he said it, but that scares the hell out of me if I'm somebody evaluating a guy and I'm going to take this guy to be the face of my franchise and be the guy that can kind of turn my franchise around. And, and you know, maybe I'm making too much of that, but, man, I just – I watched Trevor Lawrence just get absolutely destroyed as a rookie in 2021 and then the first part of last year as well and not once did he ever lose any confidence and not once did I hear him ever say I've lost some confidence and not once did anybody ever tell me inside that organization that there was a concern that he lost confidence I just think that's a massive massive issue uh, for me Um, but but again you know he he may turn out to be the next Josh Allen who knows but I, I I would I would stay away from him. I'd take all of the other quarterbacks in the first round, Young and, and Stroud and Levis and, and probably Hendon Hooker as well, uh, before I touched Anthony Richardson, but that's just me. All right, in SEC country where you also are, you get Hendon Hooker who's dealing with an injury. Had Hooker not been injured and working his way back 
from that? How costly monetarily is that going to be for him? And where would you slot him if he were available for duty here and the now to take off to start the season? Yeah, you know, I, I would have him, me personally, I would probably have him as the number three quarterback behind Shroud and Young. Um, I know Levis is a guy the NFL scouts love. Um, I just, you know, I, 19 touchdown passes in, in 2022 uh, is a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, and he had, you know, two really good receivers that are eventually going to be pro guys. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that go into that, but I, I really like Hooker. Um, in terms of the athleticism, I think he's he's sort of a, you know, everything you get, you see that you like out of Anthony Richardson, you see it out of Hooker as well. And this guy's more accomplished and he's done it at the SEC level. And he just shredded everybody he faced last year. I, I really liked him. It, it's funny because, you know, it's an ACL, right? Well, that's not a big deal anymore. I mean, the, the 20, 25 years ago, that was a big deal. But ACLs now... I mean, guys are back, you know, eight, nine months from those things now. So, I mean, he's going to fall a little bit, and, and obviously, you know, that'll cost him a little bit of money. But I would be very surprised if he doesn't go, you know, by the early 20s in the first round. I, I really would be surprised if he's available at the top of the second. Can you balance out Levis's season two years ago compared to the season this past year? Obviously, two years ago, uh, looking good and kind of, I, I guess, building that Lexington legend at quarterback. And then last year, you know, I mentioned this, I watched him a couple of times, and it was a struggle a couple of different times. And uh, listen, I, I just kind of take away from what I watch, but I do know this, that he is, as I've talked about since October around here, I mean, firmly in play, and I really haven't heard anything else other than that to this point right now regarding interest in Levis. So how does he transition to the NFL given those two years of evidence and how he played for the Wildcats of Kentucky in your estimation? Uh, you know, he's got the arm strength for sure. And he's a little bit, he's a more accurate passer certainly than, than Richardson is, um, you know, I didn't watch him a ton, and I'm not a scout. I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not any of that. But when I watch, you know, I've seen games with Richardson and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker and, and Will Levis, and I don't remember going wow at any point in watching Levis. Um, and I've said it a bunch with all those other quarterbacks. Um, even Richardson had some wow moments for me. Um, and, again, that's not, you know, I, I'm not – a talent evaluator in terms of knowing exactly what you're looking for in a quarterback. I mean, I know what I see and I know what I like. Um, and there were tons of wow moments in college with, with Trevor Lawrence for sure. And there were tons of wow moments in college, even for Josh Allen. I did see a couple of Josh Allen games there. So um, look, I, I just think he needs to be in the right situation. I think he's a guy that um, I think would be benefited from sitting a year or two to kind of getting acclimated and easing things in there. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, a, the, the best situation there in Indy um, for him there, to be honest with you, because I think if he's taken, I think he has to play right away. I think he's better than the other two guys. But I think if he ends up with a, a place that he can sit for a year um, and sort of get acclimated and make the transition easier, I think he can be, a, you know, a solid quarterback. Um, but I, I think his ceiling is not as high for me as, you know, a guy like a hooker and, you know, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. 
It's Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, covers the Jaguars and the AFC South. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So are we approaching you know, the one-year anniversary of when John Robinson made that trade with A.J. Brown, and then basically he was, I hate to put it this way, but I will, dead man walking down there in a sense of the direction of that team. Was that the ultimate decision where they decided to go a different direction with Rand Carthon, or did it weigh really much deeper than that, the reason why they made that change at general manager? Um, I, You know, from what I understand, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that was sort of the straw on the camel's back there. Um, he, you have one of the best young receivers in the league and, and you trade him away for an unproven guy that you take in the first round. And, you know, is their season different last year? If, if AJ Brown's on that team, 100%, 100% do they, they may even come into Jacksonville and beat the Jags in that season finale. Um, if Josh Dobbs has AJ Brown to throw the ball to, um, Maybe things are a little bit different in that game. Who knows? But, you know, once that happened, you know, I, I think – I really think Mike Rabel's a really, really good coach. Um, his players love him. He's a tough guy. His teams take on that attitude, that physical, tough attitude. They'll punch you in the mouth. Um, and, you know, they will make you beat them for the most part. Um, so I think, you know, there was a little bit of a power struggle there too, it seems like. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, is – is I'm, you know, we're all, you know, up in the years here, I guess, all of us, and we're starting to get those moments where you realize how old you are. I covered Rand Carthon when he was playing at the University yeah. of Florida, um, <laughs> yeah. and now he's a GM in the league, and I'm just like, my gosh, I mean, it's just. Well, he was up was here too, yeah. Weird. He was up yeah, here, yeah. Yeah, it's just a weird, weird feeling when he got the job. But Rand's, I remember him being a really smart guy way back then, um, really understood football. I remember the coaches talking about how they felt like he would end up as a coach one day, and now here he is as an executive. And, you know, it's it's this first draft that's probably going to define him because, you know, you, you're at the end of Derrick Henry's career probably. Uh, you're definitely getting to the end of Ryan Tannehill's career. So now it's sort of a crossroads for them. What are you going to do here in this first draft? That a, um, that, does it seem like maybe that's a, a good situation for Hendon Hooker, or am I wrong about that? Am I just kind of geographically thinking that that makes sense? Yeah, no, it does, and and certainly you can put him on the bench and let uh, you know Tannehill go for another year, and certainly have Tannehill you know help him learn and adjust. I mean, clearly, clearly they do not have any faith in Malik Hooker. Um, that looks like an awful, awful decision that they made last year. So, yeah, that would be a perfect spot. And to be honest with you, if Will Evans ends up there, I think that's a good spot for him, too. He gets a chance to, you know, Ryan Tannehill's a solid NFL quarterback. There's, you know, you, you win a lot of games with Ryan Tannehill. Certainly they've been in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. They were number one seed two years ago with Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, it's not like he's terrible, but he's getting to the end of his career. So, yeah, that would be a good spot for either one of those guys. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking about that. And then Derek Henry, uh, are they actively shopping, and is there an ounce of interest? Will he play in Nashville next year? What what could happen as we move forth into the summer? Yeah, I, I would be surprised um, if he's not there. Now, it's interesting, the team that got mentioned was Philadelphia – um, you know, that that's an intriguing spot. You know, another intriguing spot, to be honest with you, would be a Buffalo. Um, you know, a team that is really built to win it all right now and just needs maybe a little bit of extra help. 
Um, and certainly that would make that Philadelphia run game even better. Um, but, um, you know, are, what are the Titans willing to settle for? Um, you know, what, what are teams willing to give up? That's the other question. But I, I'm expecting him to be there this year. And, and, you know, maybe after that, things are a little different. But I think he'll be there in, in Nashville this year. Hey, Mike, before I let you go, what direction do you think the Jags are going to go? going to go in this draft coming up this weekend? Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, the Jags are, say they have two or three guys that they're expecting could be there. And then they'll have to make that choice between them. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, they could go tight end, they could go corner, they could go pass rusher, or they could go offensive tackle, to be honest with you. And a lot of it depends on who's there. I think if a guy like Lucas Van Ness were to slip and slide to 24, they'd snatch him up. I think if Mike Meyer was there, they would snatch him up. Um, Deontay Banks, uh, the corner, uh, if he somehow manages to get down there, um, then, you know, then they have an interesting choice there as well. And, and offensive tackle – is a sneaky need for this team, too, because Cam Robinson, the left tackle, is probably in his last year here. He's got a massive cap number next year, and the team can save almost $18 million by releasing him. So that's a need that they have to fill. And, and if a guy like um, you know, Darnell Wright is there, boom, match that guy up, and you're all set going forward. And uh, they're, they're in that unique spot now where when you have the quarterback and you've got the offensive weapons that they have, um, you know, you're going to be in a ton of games and you're going to be a team that can compete for AFC championships. So, you know, that gives you a little bit of a leeway to take a guy like, a, a, you know, an Anton Harrison or a Wright that, that you may not absolutely put on the field all the time this year, but is ready to go, take over going forward. So yeah. they could go in a lot of different directions. It really just kind of depends on how everything falls and if somebody slides down the board quicker than we think. Yeah, we used to have that feeling about the quarterback situation around here. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that feeling is now lost. It, uh, it and it and it changed like immediately. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that was. I mean, yeah. it's just so suddenly. And and I still remember that night. I'm sitting there and and I see a tweet come across <laughs> Schefter's tweet, and I'm like, "This has got to be spoofed. This has got to be yeah. raw." I mean, someone's impersonating Schefter, and then I, you know, then and it turned out to be right, and it was the. I was just stunned, absolutely stunned when it happened. A wise man that wore number 18 around here once said, if you're in in March, especially as a quarterback, you're in for the season. That's your deadline. So everybody looks on it like that. <laughs> it's still, still spinning the wheels around here. I will say this, too, regarding the quarterback situation here, Mike. I think that maybe – the dynamic could have changed had Philip Rivers decided to squeeze out one more season as they had hoped to. They didn't have him contractually for two years, but it was kind of a gentleman's conversation that if things work out on both sides and they have success, that you know maybe he would think about coming back for a second year and and then obviously they started down that path of Wentz, and then you know after that debacle in Jacksonville, right there before you at the end of the regular season year before last, that's when you know the mandate came down from Jim Irsay. Anybody, anybody, get rid of. They, I mean, it, he was honestly Wentz was lucky he had a flight back with the team, according to the owner. Then so that's that's how you ended up with Matt Ryan and thinking he's better than he was, and that's a four twelve and one spectacularly awesome season. That's where we are right now to date. One of those four came against the Jags, though. Matt Ryan had, what, his best game of the season that day. Yeah. Up there in uh, in Indianapolis. I remember that game. <laughs> that was uh, 
what he was like 405 of 407 passing. I mean, he couldn't miss. He just absolutely couldn't miss that day. I'm going to put that in a glass case around here someplace. Yeah, well, you know, you take them when you can get them, right? Yep. I mean, it's <laughs> you have to because if you don't, it gets depressing. Man, it's always great to talk with you. Enjoy the draft. We'll catch up, I'm sure, uh, during the season. Get some rest and then fire back up, and we'll see what the hell goes on within the AFC South coming up in 2023. But it's always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.